Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> While well, you're turning to Ephesians three, then there we go. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. We just want to say how much we appreciate you, all that you do for us all year long, all your guidance and leading your flock. So, and, and your happy birthday. <laughs> thank, thank. And it's also that's the what seventeenth, I think. Twentieth. Uh, anyway. I wish I was seventeen, but uh, it's it's. Tw- thank you all so much. I appreciate that. And uh, I tell you, it's it's. I tell I call my mom ever ever so often, and she's heard my dad started at the church I grew up in in 1966, and she understands uh, ministry quite well. Uh, she's still serving there in the church full time, and uh, it's. Uh, I tell her all the time. I said I really feel spoiled here in this ministry um, because God has just so blessed our people here. And uh, I certainly enjoy the opportunity to be the pastor here. And uh, it, it really is a blessing. And I appreciate so much uh, the thoughts and the love of our people. All right. Ephesians chapter 3. I always get embarrassed when you guys do stuff like this. It's hard to, hard to deal with. I heard somebody say one time, uh, they said you ought to treat criticism and praise the same way because you don't deserve either of them, he said. <laughs> so, I don't know, but... Uh, it's like when I when I pick on uh, Brother Harold or somebody like that because I like to pick on Brother Harold sometimes. I I tell him I only pick on people I like and people I don't like. So uh, <laughs> you, you can take your pick there. But uh, I do appreciate so much the love of our people and it, it means a lot to me. I this is really more like a family. It really is, and I certainly uh, love the way that God has pieced together and put together exactly who He wanted here. And it's been a joy to be here. Ephesians chapter number three. We've been studying throughout the day on the subject of prayer. We started in Psalm 5 and looked at the prayer of David this morning and uh, spent some time uh, dealing with some of the the ways that we should pray um, and being instant in prayer, to be effectual and fervent in prayer. And uh, then this afternoon we want to deal with some things that the Bible teaches that we ought to pray for. Uh, and I want to give you a list of things from Ephesians chapter 3. This is not an exhaustive list as usual, but again, it's something that is certainly indicated in Scripture that are things that I believe we ought to be praying for on a regular basis. And so let's begin reading in verse number 14. The Apostle Paul's writing here to the church at Ephesus, and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And he ends this list in this uh, portion of his letter with Amen. Now, again, we oftentimes use Amen in our services. And the idea of that is uh, we express agreement with. So be it. Uh, that's true. These are the things that Amen is... Uh, indicating when these things happen. It's an emphasis. Paul's saying uh, there, there should be some, some emphasis to what he had just said and kind of shining the, the spotlight back on it. And uh, 
every once in a while, uh, if I'm preaching on something and, and uh, the, there's a, a great truth there, uh, sometimes every, every once in a while I'll say amen, because it's, uh, whether y'all think it's true or not, I think it's true, and it's good, and uh, amen, uh, whether you agree with it or not, it's truth. And I'm glad we have God's Word as a guide to our, uh, to our lives and help us to understand these things. But I want us to look at a couple of things here. As we begin in verse number uh, 14, he says, For this cause I bow the knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's going to give you a list of, of things that he prays for. And he says, These are the reasons that I'm praying for you. These are the things that I'm praying about for you. And, uh, but he starts off with this in verse 15. And verse number 16, he says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a moment, and I want us to look at two things. First of all, uh, he comes to the Lord, and as we spoke about in Psalm 5 this morning, when the psalmist um, was asking the Lord and beseeching the Lord to give ear to his prayer, to give consideration to his meditation and the things of his heart, to hearken unto his voice, and he says, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. And uh, it's very important that we understand this, that when we come to the Lord in prayer, we have the faith that there is no other place to go for this. Uh, we have one source that we trust that he's going to be able to answer our, our needs. And uh, we need to get this mindset. Oftentimes we, we, we tend to become very apathetic, if you will, in our praying and even though we say we have faith and we have effectual and fervent praying, a lot of times we pray not expecting God to answer. And there ought to be an expectation. Uh, when the psalmist this morning, we were talking about it, he said that um, he would direct his prayer and unto thee, and he said, I will look up. And the idea being that after I've prayed and I've laid it out before the Lord, I'm going to look up with expectation for this answer. And we need to learn to get back to this idea of praying with expectation that God is going to answer and uh, to have the the faith, I, I'm reminded of the story years ago uh, of the folks uh, in a town where there had been a drought and they decided to have a prayer meeting uh, for God to send rain. And only one of them showed up with an umbrella. Uh, that's the kind of mindset that oftentimes we have. Uh, we pray not expecting God to answer. And so he, he begins this by speaking of the fact that he's uh, praying unto the Lord. He's bowing his knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's asking that God would grant, notice this phrase, don't miss it. He says, I, he says, for these, this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. Everything that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ is because of his love and his blessings to us, not because he owes it to us. I remember, and I shared with you guys this before, but I remember during a very difficult time of my life just a few years ago and going through some of the darkest days of my life, uh, sitting in my living room and the thought that came to mind, Lord, after all that I've done over the years in serving you, and this is what I get for it. And I would have never thought I had that kind of thought in my heart, but it came out during those moments and within just a few instances, the Lord uh, really brought strong conviction to me. And I began to weep. And I said, Lord, the truth is you don't owe me anything. Because anything that He has given to us is simply by His grace. It's simply because of His bounty to us. Not because we've earned it. 
So often we get the mindset that, Lord, I'm going to pray for this and I expect you to do it because I've done A, B, and C and, and because I've done this, you owe this to me. We, we, even though we may not say it that way, and oftentimes that's how we pray. We need to pray putting ourselves upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus and saying, Lord, I want you to deal with me by your grace, not by my merit. And so he asks that God would grant. This is what Paul prays for. He bows his knees for it. He says that he would grant you, notice this, according to his riches, or to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. By the riches of his glory. Look with me in Psalm 119. We're going to come back here, so hold your place. Psalm 119. And uh, we'll look in verse number uh, 17. Psalm 119 and verse 17. I love this particular part of the, uh, this particular psalm. As uh, David asks the Lord, he says, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. And what David's asking here is he's saying, Lord, I want you to deal with me from your bounty Again, not from my merit, but from your bounty, from your blessings. And it's amazing to me how inexhaustible the grace of God is to us. His blessings to us, His unmerited favor to us. In Romans chapter 5, if you'll turn there for a moment. Romans chapter number 5. And I want you to look at a couple verses with me together. So keep your Bibles handy. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 20. The Bible says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did what? Much more abound. The grace of God, His unmerited favor to us, is, is inexhaustible. There's not enough sin, there's not enough wrong that you and I can do that God's grace is not sufficient. Oh, the wonderful bounty that God has in store. And when we pray and come to the Lord, the Paul, Paul was writing to this church and he says, I pray and I bow my knees that God would grant you according to the riches of His glory. Out of the bounty that you have, Lord, I want you to deal with them. I want you to be able to give your glory, your strength to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you don't need to turn there in verse number 8. You can write it down if you'd like to, you can turn there. But it says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The idea of abounding is that, that which is more than is necessary. More than is necessary. That this grace would abound towards you. That ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In James chapter 4, verse number, five, verse number 6, he says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And so the psalmist, or the, the, Paul is writing here to the church at Ephesus, and one of the things that he's asking God to do is that he would grant according to the riches of his glory. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. We just sang it just a few moments ago. What a Savior who could take a poor lost sinner, lift him from the miry clay and set him free. I will ever tell the story shouting, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Jesus ransomed me. Isn't it wonderful that God has dealt bountifully with us? He's dealt with us out of the abundance of His grace. And I'm thankful that His grace is so insurmountable that my sin could never exhaust it. That doesn't mean that we go on and continue in sin, as He told him in Romans chapter 6. He says, What then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So it doesn't give us an excuse to sin, but it ought to give a Christian a right to rejoice. It ought to give us some steadfastness in trusting God to meet our needs. So he begins to pray, and he asks for God to deal with the church at Ephesus from the abundance of His glory, from from the riches of His glory. And he says this in verse number 16. We're going to start seeing the things that he's praying for. First of all, he says in verse number 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might. I want you to notice these three words. By His Spirit in the inner man. You know the great battle of the Christian life is not found in the externals. It's not found in the things that we do outwardly. The great battle of the Christian life, the great, the great forces that are warring within us are all dealt with in the inner man. If there's victory to be found in the Christian life, it's going to be won in the inner man, in the character of our hearts. And here we have uh, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul praying that, that, that God would grant strength Notice this, by His Spirit in the inner man. We talk about two things that will uh, cause the Holy Spirit to not be able to do what He desires to do in us. One is when we do things that grieve Him, or we do things that will quench Him from working in our, in our hearts. The Bible speaks of both of those things. And so we need to live in such a way that we give the Holy Spirit full reign for Him to have complete, unhindered access to strengthen us in the inner man. Uh, there is a, there is such a thing as Christian character and and the idea of uh, of living in such a way that we have a testimony not just outwardly but something that the inner man has been transformed and as we quench the Holy Spirit as we grieve the Holy Spirit He is unable to do the things that He desires to do inside of us so one of the greatest things that Paul is praying for and I think one of the great things you and I ought to strive for in prayer for one another is, Lord, grant that person the strength of the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Help him to be strengthened by the might of the Holy Spirit. It ought to be one of the great prayers of our lives. Lord, strengthen me by Your Spirit in the inner man. For you see, I can do a lot of things on the outside. I can clean up the vessel like the the Pharisees did, or I can be a whited sepulcher. But the truth of the matter is, what determines whether I succeed in the Christian life or not is... The battle that is won either in or out of the inner man. Whether I have given the Holy Spirit free course and free reign in my life, or whether I have held on to my own will. The simplicity of the Christian life is in one decision. My will or God's will. That one truth, it sums it all up. Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what He longs to do? There ought to be a desire in our hearts every day as we wake up and we get about our day. Lord, I want Your will to be done in my life. I want Your way to be done in my life. Help me to be sensitive to that. Help me to be yielded to that. There's a lot of enticements this world has. The things of this world, whether they be weights or whether they be sins, they they glamour it up, they make it look good, they make it appealing, they make it enticing. And isn't it amazing that God who detests sin. He detests ungodliness. He detests, and the Bible uses the word abhors the things which are evil. Why in the world would a Christian allow it to be so glamorous and enticing to them when it is the very epitome of of evil to the Lord? When he hates it, he cannot stand it. 
We ought to say, Lord, I want my inner man to be strengthened today. I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit has free reign in my life today to guide my steps. I want to love the things that you love. I want to, I want to abhor the things that you abhor. I, I, want to, I want to long for the things that please you. And I want to detest the things that are going to cause you grief in your heart. Paul said, this is one of the things I bow my knees to the Father for. I ask for God to do this in your life. It ought to be one of the great prayers of our life. That we be strengthened by the might of His Spirit in the inner man. The second thing is in verse number 17. He says, secondly, that Christ may, look at this word, dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, there's two ways to take this particular passage. And the idea being that by faith we certainly are saved and the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. But the truth is, uh, does He dwell there? Does He abide there? We said in the 11 o'clock service in Revelation 3 to the church of Laodicea, speaking to a church, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why is he knocking at the door of a church? The hearts of those believers that have trusted him as their Savior. Why is he knocking at their door? Could it be that through our own selfish uh, fleshly desires, we have quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit to where he does not dwell inside of us? Oh, He's still a part of us. We're still sealed under the day of redemption. We don't lose our salvation. But how is our walk with Him? How is our communion with Him? We know that He's speaking here of the relationship because He said, If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will what? Sup with him and he with me. He's dealing there with relationship. Is it possible that we need to be praying more and more that the Holy Spirit will be dwelling in us. That He will have absolute access here. The Bible tells us, and Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. This idea that Paul prays and says to ask the Lord for the church at Ephesus, that they would be strengthened with the might of His Spirit in the inner man. And secondly, that he would have, uh, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. And I want you to notice also, verse 17, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, and by the way, every Christian ought to be such, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height What's he speaking of here? He's speaking of the love that they're rooted and grounded in. I love the song, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. What a wonderful hymn that is. As we consider who God is and we consider who we are, uh, we almost are like the psalmist when he said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Lord, why do you even bother? The Paul the prayer of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, for the church at Ephesus, was that they would be able to, in this love that they were rooted and grounded in, that they would be able to begin to understand or comprehend the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. They would be able to explore the the infiniteness of the love that the Lord Jesus Christ sheds abroad in our hearts. Isn't it amazing that out of all the people in the world that Christians seem to have the most contention with, it's with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's amazing to me how oftentimes there is strife in the church and strife among God's people. 
We have not learned yet the length and the depth and the breadth and the height of the love that God has placed in our hearts. I love, I love the fellowship of God's people. I understand and I know that not every Christian is going to see everything the same way and eye to eye. But I'll tell you this, it does not give us the right to go around and to shoot our wounded. It does not give us the right to go around here and treat one another worse than we do unsaved people. Oh, that we would learn to understand the depth and the length and the breadth and the height of this love that we're to be rooted and grounded in. Then I want you to notice also in verse number 19, he says, And to know the love of Christ. This is interesting. Look at the third word in this verse, verse 19. It says, And to what? Know the love of Christ, which passeth what? <laughs> he says, I want you to know the things about the love of God that are not able to be known. That's what he's saying here. The, the fact that the, the love of God is inexpressible. We could spend the rest of the time, uh, of all the time this side of heaven, talking about the love of God, and we will not have exhausted it. The, the, the songwriter wrote years ago, Could we with ink the oceans fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scrolls contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Could you imagine this, that there is so much to the love of God that we've not even scratched the surface of understanding. And Paul's prayer was, I want you to know that part of it. I want you to know the part that's not known yet. I want you to have that understanding. And then I want you to notice also, verse number 19. He says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye, may be, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I like it. I like to say it this way. We ought to saturate ourselves with God. We ought to spend time in this book in such a way that we saturate our life with it. I want to, I want to know everything there is to know about Him. I, I remember years ago when I was dating and, and I, I was uh, a young lady that I was interested in. And uh, I remember uh, writing letters to him. You remember that, fellas, back when they used to write letters? We didn't type it on a computer screen. We'd write letters. And uh, I remember the first time I ever wrote a girl a letter, it said, do you like me? Yes, no, check one. And it had the little boxes there. You remember that? We did that in elementary, didn't we? But do you know how many times once we had a, a desire to, to love that person or we had a, a heart for that person, every, everything they did, we wanted to know. We wanted to be around them. I remember the first time that there was a girl that actually liked me back. And that was, the, that was a miracle in and of itself. And I remember I, I called her one night on the telephone. And we got done talking. After about two minutes, I told her everything my brain could think about saying. And then we didn't know what to talk about. So for the next 30 minutes, we sat there and just listened to the other person breathe on the end of the line. He said, that was crazy. How many of y'all did that? Any of you? I'm the only one. Okay. And we talked every once in a while, but we did. because. And the idea was, it was nice knowing that they were there on the other end of the line. Because as long as they were on the other end of the line, they were, they were in communication with you. They were thinking of you. And I remember longing to, to know everything I could. I wanted to find out everything I could about that person. What do they like? What do they don't like? What are the things that, that, they, that they think are great in this world? What are the things that bring them a sadness and disappointment? I wanted to know And then I wanted to do everything I could to, to do the things that made them happy and not to do the things that made them sad. 
It's amazing. You ever notice how, how, uh, how sometimes crazy men are to try to impress the girl that they're after? When we were younger, we thought it was throwing rocks at them, that that would really impress them. Or dipping their hair in the ink bottle. But the idea was we wanted them to take notice of us. We longed for them to, to see us and for us to see them and to know them. Why is it that our desire in trying to get someone in this world to like us or love us is so much more oftentimes than our desire to get to know God and to have Him get to know us? God knows everything there is to know about me, but I know so little about Him. And Paul prays. He said, I'm praying that you're filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to be filled up. I want it to be overflowing. I heard one fellow say, you ought to be so full of God that if somebody bumps you the wrong way, it just splashes everywhere. Can I tell you this? We need to learn to be filled with all the fullness of God. And Paul said, this is one of the things that I bow my knees to the Father for. I pray for you. I ask for God to help you to be filled with all of the fullness of Him. Then he makes this statement in verse 20. He's going to express the glory that is due the Lord. By the way, all of it is due to Him. Why in the world we become so arrogant as to think we get any of the glory? I don't understand that. Because but for His grace, there's not one of us sitting here today that would be on our way to heaven. Not one of us. There's not one of us that could have saved us. Oh, the wonder of His saving grace. And all the glory belongs to Him. And Paul is getting ready to express this, but he says it in a unique way. He says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And usually that's where we stop reading the verse. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody quote this and say, well, I'm praying that God will do this mighty miracle in my life. Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. He's told me He would. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. Notice what he says. He says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly above all that he, we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. There's a requirement that is placed on us in order to see the exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think working of the Lord. And that is that we be filled with all the fullness of God. That we be strengthened by the might of His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. That we be rooted and grounded in love. That we know the love of Christ that is not yet known to us. It passeth all understanding. takes those things in order for us to see the exceeding abundant work of God in our lives. Paul says unto him, 
the God that can do all of these things. Unto Him be glory. In the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. And He ends it with, Amen. Amen. This is what Paul bowed his knees to the Father for. We've been studying, praying on our Sunday school hour, on our 11 o'clock hour. Things that we ought pray for. We ought pray that God would grant us from His riches of His glory to be strengthened by the might of His Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we will be rooted and grounded in love so that we can under- comprehend what is the breadth and length and depth and height, that we can know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, and that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And Paul says, he's able to do them all. He's able to do them all. In fact, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above this. He said unto him, be glory in the church through Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. I hope that we will learn to pray as we ought. That there will be not just a habit of praying, but a spirit of praying in us. We'll learn to pray fervently and effectually that God will teach us to pray for the things that we ought. Maybe, maybe, if we can ever get to the place where we can grasp these truths, we can see a mighty hand of God at work again. Something that is inexpressible, unexplainable, save the Lord Jesus Christ did it. Let's stand together, shall we? With heads bowed, Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. The truth is, Lord, we fail You in so many areas. So many areas. And Lord, even the best among us,